struggles go away. That's not the message of the cross. There's another one that's erroneous. And that is, God wants you to be happy. And what could make you happier than being healthy? Think a verse like Luke 6.38. You can turn there if you want. I'm going to read it out of the NLT. I've got it written down here. Luke 6.38. Give, and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full. Pressed down, shaken together to make room for more. Running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get. Boy, doesn't that sound... Really, really tempting. That sounds wow. That verse taken by itself makes God into this genie. You just rub the genie, give a little bit, and you give money back. Wow. Doesn't that sound good? Well, doesn't it sound good? <laughs> And if you take that all by itself to its odd logical conclusion, you get people that are thinking that if I say yes to Jesus, I am going to be wealthy. And in that passage, Jesus is talking about judging and condemning. And if your forgiveness is little, you'll get little forgiveness. If your forgiveness is high, you're going to get a lot of forgiveness. What are you talking about? He's not talking. So, what is Paul referring to in 1 Corinthians 1? I'm going to read, starting in verse 10, just to give you a little context of where, he, where Paul's at. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other, let there be no divisions in the church. Rather, be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. For some members of Chloe's household have told me about your quarrels, my dear brothers and sisters. Some of you are saying, I am a follower of Paul. Others are saying, I follow Apollos, or I follow Peter, or I follow only Christ. There's the spiritual has Christ been divided into factions? Was I, Paul, crucified for you? Were any of you baptized in the name of Paul? Of course not. I thank God that I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius. For now no one can say they were baptized in my name. Oh yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus, but I don't remember baptizing anyone else. For Christ didn't send me to baptize, but to preach the good news. And not with clever speech, for fear that the cross of Christ will lose its power. Stop on that verse for a For Christ didn't send me to baptize, but to preach the good news. And not with clever speech, for fear that the cross of Christ will lose its power. You see where the good news, the gospel, equals 
Turn back to the first chapter of the book right before 1 Corinthians. Romans 1. <coughs> Romans 1, verse 16. Paul writes, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe, first for the Jew, and then for the Gentile. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of Unto salvation. The power of God. The gospel. So what is this gospel? Paul says he doesn't he doesn't give it to you with clever speech. Apparently, at this point in history in the town of Corinth, I guess it's not a town, it was a city. It was a rather large city. It was common for really smart guys to come into town and wow the inhabitants with the way they could argue, the way they could convince people to do things and to believe things. And they were given much credit. That's probably where the division happened in the Corinthian church that Paul was talking about here. Some follow Paul, some follow Paul. Apparently, Apollos was one of these guys that had eloquent speech. He could say things in big words and convince you. And because that was their nature, what they had been used to, why wouldn't you follow Apollos rather than Paul, who used these really small words? Or Peter, who was just a fisherman? Why wouldn't you follow the guy that spoke really, really well? But Paul says... Verse 18. The message of the cross is foolish. So, I wanted to know just exactly what foolish sounded like. So I went to Webster. And Webster said, fool or foolish might be defined as a person with little or no judgment or common sense or wisdom. Silly or a stupid person. So then I went to Vine's Bible Dictionary, and it defined fool or foolish as the lack of common sense or perception of the reality of things natural or spiritual, dull or sluggish. So verse 18 says, the message of the cross is foolish. It's dull. It lacks perception. You can't really believe that. But he goes on to say, it's foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. There it is. Showing up 
As the scriptures say, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. Referring back to Isaiah, where Isaiah was scolding Judah for asking for help from outside countries to save them rather than calling on God himself. So he says, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. Verse 20, so where does this leave the philosophers, the scholars, and the world's brilliant debaters? Uh, philosophers. One of the commentaries that I look at often is by J. Vernon McGee. Everybody know J. Vernon McGee? Everybody raise your hand if you know J. There's more people in here that know J. Vernon McGee than Russell Wilson. What's up with that? <laughs> here is J. Vernon quoting somebody else about philosophy. He said, it's defined as a blind man in a dark room looking for a black cat that isn't there. That's philosophy. That rings so true to the one philosophy class I took in college. I couldn't stand it. It didn't make any sense at all to me. So where are the philosophers? You ever been around people that are really, really smart? And they know it. Have you? My brother is one of those. I don't know that he's got a Mensa I IQ, but it is way higher than mine. And I worked with a guy in the same office that was a bona fide Mensa guy. And it was amazing how much they knew, and they didn't care how much you knew. In fact, the guy that I worked with walked into the office one day, just shaking his head. He said, you ever been in a room where you thought you were the smartest guy in the room? I didn't have any trouble with that question. <laughs> I've never been that smart. I never thought I was the smartest guy in the room. He said, I have been there. And any kind of argument that he and I got into, and I tried to avoid them, and the same with my brother, if they couldn't sway you with their arguments, just get loud. They just get loud. So where are the philosophers? Where are the brilliant debaters? Because God said, I'm just going to rip that intelligence. The rest of verse 20 says, God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish. And then verse 21, I love the way the NLT puts this verse. Since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom. It doesn't, may not sound quite that way in some of the other translations, so let me read it one more time out of the NLT. Since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom. He has used our foolish preaching to 
save those who believe. And McGee again said, not foolish preaching, but preaching what seems foolish. Can you imagine? Here is a guy, Paul, who is probably one of the smartest guys in Judaism. Zealous for the Lord. Extremely hungry for God to be exalted. Do you think he could come up with lofty speech? Do you think he could do that? Do you think he had the background, the education, the sound lofty? And try to persuade people with eloquent speech? Do you think he could do that? Okay, sidebar. Go back to Acts 17. We're going to start at verse 19. To this point, Paul had been in Athens waiting for his buddies to show up. And he saw that there was... Oh, let's go to verse 18. So he was in the marketplace talking to whoever would stop and listen to him. In verse 18, he said, I, He also had a debate with some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers. When he told them about Jesus and his resurrection, they said, What's this babbler trying to say with these strange ideas he's picked up? Others said he seems to be preaching about some foreign gods. Then they took him to the high council of the city. Come and tell us about this new teaching, they said. You are seeing some rather strange things, and we want to know what it's all about. It should be explained that all the Athenians, as well as the foreigners in Athens, seem to spend all of their time discussing the latest ideas. So Paul, standing before the council, addressed them as follows. Men of Athens, I notice that you are very religious in every way, for as I was walking along, I saw your many shrines, and one of your altars had this inscription on it, to an unknown God. This God, whom you worship without knowing, is the one I'm telling you about. He is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples, and human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything, and he satisfies every need. From one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and exist. As some of your own prophets, poets, have said, we are his offspring. And since this is true, we shouldn't think of God as an idol designed by craftsmen from gold or silver or stone. God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times, but now he commands everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and turn to him. For he has set a day for judging the world with justice by the man he has appointed, and he proved to everyone who this is by raising him from the dead. When they hear Paul speak about the resurrection of the dead, some laughed in contempt. 
But others said, we want to hear more about this later. That ended Paul's discussion with them. And some joined him and became believers. That sound like lofty speech? Did he use big words? Did he just sort of lay out the facts? When I think about this idea of lofty speech, um, it sort of goes to the way I stand up here in front of you guys. Because I have spent so many years in front of 8, 9, and 10-year-olds, I think of you as 8, 9, and 10-year-olds. So my I try to use words that 8, 9, and 10-year-olds would be able to understand. Have we been good so far? <laughs> and I know the presentation of the gospel to people 8 or 9 or 10 years old can't be all that difficult. Now, their processing and their thinking abilities aren't all that developed at that point. They pick up things, and they remember things. Would you rather have it laid out simply before you? Or do you want Apollos standing up here, giving you this great big orientation about the gospel? It is so simple. And don't ever forget, it is the power of God, the preaching of the cross of Jesus Christ. Verse 22 of 1 Corinthians 1. So this foolish preaching to save those who believe. 22 says, It is foolish to the Jews who ask for signs from heaven, and it is foolish to the Greek who seek human wisdom. So when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended, and the Gentiles say it's all. I talked about the resurrection to both of those really smart guys. And they both told me I was a dumb corrupt. That can't happen. That's not true. But it wasn't like that. They screamed. So it was an offense. And it was. Jews, if they had been living anywhere in Jerusalem, when Jesus was walking around, they saw all the signs and miracles they needed, and it still wasn't enough. They wanted another. And the Greeks, the Greeks wouldn't even talk about crucifixion in polite company. It was such a cruel method of execution. So to hear that the deliverer was a criminal crucified on a cross, how in the world could you ever believe something like that? You are stupid. Verse 24. But the, to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, here we go, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Those who are called. This message is proclaimed 
all over the world. And not everybody responds to it in a positive way. But to those who are called, the simple proclamation that we are all sinners, destined for an eternity in hell, in a place that God describes as a place of torment forever and ever. We're all sinners, destined for that. And God comes along and brings along this cross, this Jesus, puts him on the cross, kills him in our place. How many have seen the Passion of the Christ? That movie, in my estimation, just my, oops, just my estimation, is a depiction graphically of how much God hates sin. And it's exactly what we deserve outside of Christ. And I think that the idea that Jesus went to the cross took that kind of punishment in my place <clears throat> that if I believe he did that for me even if I were the only human on the planet and that he was buried and rose again all of that simple message is the power of God for everyone that is called who hears the message and is drawn in I will never forget the day I became a Christian and the invitation was made. It was in one of those churches that had an invitation every Sunday. And when the invitation was made, it was like choice. God had called me. He had taken out the heart of stone, put in a heart of flesh. And I went forward to have another man pray for But to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. It's not a big, complicated story. It's not a big, complicated formula. It is as black and white as it can be. So, message of the cross. Foolish to so many people that hear it. But to those who are being called to salvation, it is the power of Christ, the power of God. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God, not the salvation of all who are first to the Jews. There may be somebody in here that has never really considered the claims of Christ. Never really understood what that passion movie was all about, how Christ was tortured. And that it was he was tortured in my place. Maybe you've never heard that. Maybe you've never understood that. Maybe it's something that doesn't make any sense to you even now, but all of a sudden you feel something different in your heart. I know 
what happened with me. I know that before I sat down in that pew that morning, my heart had been changed so that when it was proclaimed up there on the, on the platform, it was meant for me. And that may be true of someone here this morning. If that's you, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand or come up here, but I don't want you to leave this building until you talk to me or Dennis or Mitch. Okay, I'm gone with work today. <laughs> Those three guys, hold your hands up. Raise your hand, John. If this is for you this morning, then don't leave this room until you talk to one of these three men. I've asked Dennis to change the last song. He had something picked out, but that third song we sang, to me, is the gospel. And I think it's something that we need to rehearse again, knowing that that message of the cross is foolishness to so many people in this room. And I would like us to sort of rehearse it again. Father, we are... We are a very, very needy people. And by the grace of Almighty God, from the beginning of the foundations of the earth, you have had a plan to redeem a, a foolish and stiff-necked people unto yourself. And God, I pray that as we contemplate the rest of today and maybe even the rest of this next week, God, that we would think about the message of the cross and how simple it is, that it doesn't need flowery words, it doesn't need lots and lots of explanation. But God, you became man, lived a perfect life, in order to take the punishment that every sinner deserves in order that we might be reconciled to God as we believe that that sacrifice was done on our behalf. So God, I pray that that would be true of this particular group of people that calls themselves PCBC. And Father, we would rest in the knowledge that we are eternally saved. Thank you for that, in Jesus' name.